0: Well, you're all in fine voice. And why not? Methodist people singing their faith. Born in song and all that. If we can't do it, who can? And the the importance of hymns in our tradition, those those weighty, beautiful, articulate, profound pieces of congregational singing they're immensely moving and as we've been hearing like a little narrative through this afternoon incredibly significant they they express what we feel and what we believe often better than we feel we can ourselves i still remember the first time i ever sung and can it be It was several weeks after I had been soundly converted at the age of 17 in a nightclub. (laughs) That's another story. It was in York, and I was there with several hundred other people in 1972 in what was called a Festival of Light. Do you remember those? And a tingle went down my spine when these several hundred people all sang together, no condemnation, now I dread. And I thought, it's going to be like this in heaven. And I later came to realize that what I sang with other people, especially in a really large gathering like this one, uh, not only expressed what I believed, but it actually had the effect of increasing my faith. I believed it more. It encouraged me, and I suppose I went home and thought, I belong with these people. They're God's people, and they're my family. Do you know what I mean? When I was the secretary of the Methodist Conference, I occasionally, well I got letters all the time, but I occasionally got letters from people who suggested that I should change the hymns that we sing at the conference when we have a very special service to give thanks for ministers, missionaries and local preachers who have died during the year. And I'm afraid it's at this point, I confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that this modern, song-loving, fresh-expressions-supporting, renewal-encouraging Methodist minister wrote back, very politely, of course, on your bike, not on my watch. (laughs) I mean, what do you put in place of Wesley's come, let us join our friends above that have obtained the price? Oh, that we might grasp our guide. Oh, that the word were given. Come, Lord of hosts, the waves divide and land us all in heaven. And then there are spiritual songs. When I was at Cliff College with a director of evangelism, otherwise known as Steve Wilde. And while there... And while they have founded the Frog Euthanasia Society, (laughs) there were people at Cliff College who told us, sometimes through tears, that their faith was actually sustained through the songs and choruses of books like the Cliff College Chorus Book. I mean, you do remember choruses, don't you? Of course you do, some of you wrote them. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, you did remember it. Now, for me, becoming a Christian in the early 1970s, it was actually youth praise. Remember youth praise? Youth praise one, youth praise two, you know, the green and the orange thing. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You don't know this one as well, do you? Steve does. Yeah. And now today, you see, there's thousands of new songs that do the same thing that these things did for generations for us and before us, just as Wesley did it for Methodist forebears. That's what he was doing. These songs of worship, whether they're older choruses or newer worship songs, also express what we believe. They deepen our faith. They root us in the community of the faithful. They begin to shape us into who we are in God. I want to share briefly two memories with that thought in mind. The first comes from Cuba when I was there for a few weeks in late 2005 teaching a crash course to 250 under 30 year olds in the jungle who were called to minister in the wake, the tidal wave of the renewal of the Methodist church in Cuba. It was the only time in my life I've ever slept knowingly with a scorpion but I didn't sleep long. <laughs> but I went to a village in the jungle to preach and found a community rebuilding their pretty basic houses following a tornado that had arrived just about 10 days earlier. The whole place was flattened and all the people who, all the people who lived there, apart from those who were away at work, gathered each day, said their prayers and then set to and built one house. A family moved in it and then the next day they started another one. And as they rebuilt the flattened houses, what did they do all day but sing hymns of praise to God? And they were doing that as I arrived in a four-wheel jeep. And there was something profound about standing in a recently devastated village where in many cases a family had had quite literally blown away everything that they had. And they rebuild their lives singing songs of praise to God. Perhaps it's at times like that that you realize the real gift of hymns and psalms and spiritual songs is that which has been poured into you down the years is then poured out of you at moments like that. My second memory is more recent and personal and I hope you don't mind me sharing it. My parents, God bless them, are still both alive, but they're very old and now virtually housebound. Faithful Christian souls, but increasingly frail. Since we've moved down here to London last summer, one night my mother fell, my dad tried to lift her up, he fell, gashed his hand open, and of course they ring our house, except I'm away, so they get Helen. Helen goes over to a disaster scene and ferries them both off to the local hospital. They queue in A&E in the early hours of the morning and get put together, man and wife, for nearly 70 years at that time, in a small bay lying side by side, awaiting assessment, cold, a bit bewildered, and no doubt a bit frightened. And my dad, who is not the most spiritually vocal person in the world, starts singing at 10 past four here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? And, yeah. <laughs> and a nurse pulls back the plastic screen and came in and said, Well, somebody's really chirpy in here. <laughs> chirpy? Well, maybe. Better to say he was not only singing the faith, but in a frightened A&E in the early hours of the morning, he was singing his faith. And on a day like that, that's a key question for us. Are we still singing our faith, or are we just singing? And one response to God we might make today is to say something like this. Lord, today I believe. This stuff I sing by your grace has entered my soul and shaped it and made me who I am. Thank you. Here in 2016, I still believe it, I still love and trust you. I must close. Many of you will have heard the marvellous story very much more recently of the young man who was diagnosed with a brain tumour and, because of the nature of the operation he had to undergo for several hours, had to remain conscious and awake throughout it. Do you remember the story? He was interviewed uh, on uh, BBC um, Songs of Praise not many uh, months ago. And so the surgical team who were preparing the operation asked him to sing a song as a sign that he was still conscious, because if he gave up singing, that was a signal to them that the surgery was becoming too invasive or whatever. And the song he chose as a young Christian was the song that we're going to sing as we draw to a close this afternoon, 10,000 Reasons. Because, he said, when he was interviewed by numerous people later on, because, praise God, he came through that operation, he said... I chose that song because if the operation went wrong and I die, then I'll still be singing this song when I wake in heaven, as will we. Bless you all. We sing the song.